to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body I mean the everything I mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well I mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations yeah. you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh, with no rules no fighting. well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about, folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud for fighting with you. For you. Don't bring your dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you gotta just keep on flowing. Gotta just keep on flowing, Penn Nation. Aloha, everybody. You're now tuned in to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we have another kick-ass show lined up for you guys this evening. BJPenn.com Radio is live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And every single week, we continue to bring you guys the best possible guests, this week being no different. BJPenn.com Radio, where the fighter's voice and the voice of you guys, the fans... And I keep saying this every week, but what we're about here on the show is giving these athletes a platform to speak their minds without bias. As I said, we're also the voice of you guys, the fans. We greatly appreciate all the support. We love you guys, Penn Nation. Tonight's lineup, it's a great one. But before we get into any of that, each and every week, I tell you guys, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. Bookmark us, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Stay up to date on all the latest and greatest in the sport that you love, all the hot topics, all the breaking news, the viral videos, tons of exclusive content coming out every week, lots of instructional technique videos, had some really cool stuff uh, from more of the Gracie family this week with, um, my goodness, the doctor's name is, is, is uh, leaving me at the moment, but Nonetheless, check it out each and every week. We've got some great stuff, great content for you guys. Uh, for those that are more into the 
practical side of MMA and actually defending yourself and, and learning the techniques that all these guys are executing in the sport that we all love. So, like I said, BJPenn.com, everything you crave from the sport you love all in one place. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. And thanks to you guys, you guys make that all possible. So, again, thank you very much for, for tuning in and supporting the website. Tonight's guest list. Three awesome guests. All of them familiar with the show. They've been on before. Some more than others, obviously. But kicking things off with us at 8.15, we're going to get into a little news, and then we're going to jump right into things here. I'm going to try to keep to that 8.15 time slot uh, just for sake of time. But kicking things off, an infamous man in the world of BJJ. As I said here in the description, built himself an empire, and he truly is an icon, modern-day icon of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Founder of 10th Planet, coach of arguably this weekend's biggest winner, Tony Ferguson. Of course, I'm talking about Eddie Bravo. Much to discuss with him. Obviously, as I mentioned there, Tony Ferguson, great, great night for him at UFC 216. Was able to submit Kevin Lee in the third round with the triangle choke. Uh, so we'll recap the fight with Eddie. We'll get the behind the scenes on what the emotions were like following the big win. We'll talk a bit about Tony's call out of uh, Conor McGregor. Very funny stuff. I'll get to that in a moment when we, when we talk about news. But um, So obviously tons to discuss with Eddie about Tony Ferguson. However, you guys have all heard about it on the show, EBI. EBI 13 is coming up, or I'm sorry, EBI 12 is coming up October 22nd, but then, or maybe it is EBI 13, but anyway, EBI event coming up October 22nd, it's going to be the lightweights, and November 12th, the first ever, the inaugural combat jiu-jitsu worlds tournament, star-studded from MMA and and jiu-jitsu alike, really good competitors there. Two different weight classes, very interesting rule set. EBI rules with palm strikes to the body and the head. Pretty cool stuff. You've heard him talk about it on the show uh, the last time we had him on, I believe. But the first ever tournament, it's about to go down. So obviously we're going to talk to Eddie about that as well in depth. And as always, it's, it's a great conversation with the guy. Every time he gets on the mic... You guys want to listen. So kicking things off with us tonight, the man himself, Eddie Bravo, very much looking forward to that. And something that's different here with this interview that then we have been doing, you know, we've been recording these and then airing them live, you know, on, on the night of the show for you guys. However, the way time lined up, we're going to have Eddie on live. So fingers crossed this all works out. (laughs) You know, we've run into some, some troubles with, uh, with time zones and things of that nature, but Let's hope it all works out. So, presuming everything does, Eddie Bravo coming up at 8.15. Following our chat with Eddie, one of the guys who was very much affected by some very strange turn of events at UFC 216 this weekend, Mark the Hand of Godbeer. He was originally slated to fight Walt Harris. As we know, Derek Lewis was pulled from the fight with Fabricio Verdum while Harris stepped up on, I believe, 
three hours notice and was given the fight with Fabrizio Verdun, but that that left Mark Godbeer with no fight at all. And uh, sucks for him. You would think immediately, you know, how, how bad that sucks for a guy who spent all this money, all this time, flown out, especially a guy from the UK, flown out to Vegas. Big fight for him. Definitely in the right direction in regards to marching up the ranks in the heavyweight division. And then the rugs pulled out from under him. So we go through the timeline of, of all of this taking place. And there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, you know, at one point things were looking pretty good for Mark before he found out that the fight would no longer take place. He was given a show money. The fight has been rescheduled to UFC 217 in New York city in Madison square garden. So obviously Mark is very happy about that. It's all been a bit of a blessing in disguise, and we're going to talk to him about all of it and much more. Uh, he'll be our second guest this evening, Mark Godbeer. Closing out tonight's show, guys, uh, a guy that you are all very familiar with, one of our favorite, one of our favorite guests, one of our, one of our very good friends to the show, Dwayne Bang Ludwig. When we had him on a couple weeks ago, uh, he was still in Amsterdam, and he has since come back. And when he came back, he said. Hey, I'd like to come back on the show and talk a bit more about my experience here and, uh, you know, going to glory and then how that's all going to transition into the bang Muay Thai system and how he, um, how he plans to utilize the things he learned when coaching TJ. So we have him back on great conversation as always with him. Um, I don't get to cover too much because as you guys know, Dwayne being a very passionate guy, um, he took control of the conversation this time, but nonetheless, it's a good one. I know you guys will enjoy it. Uh, and that's the guest list for tonight. Three great guests kicking things off with Eddie Bravo, followed up by Mark, the hand of God beer, followed by Dwayne bang Ludwig, um, BJPen.com radio. That's how we do it, baby. Listen, we got to jump into news. I don't want to waste too much time before we get Eddie on here. Um, again, I'm hoping that there's no miscommunications and we get him on smoothly. UFC 216 recap, the main event we saw Tony Ferguson crown the interim champ. As I said, able to uh, defeat Kevin Lee, very slick submission in the third round. Uh, wasted no time calling out McGregor. <laughs> Tony called him McNuggets. That was pretty funny. Uh, Dana White seems to be on board with the fight, and we'll be discussing all of that in depth, as I mentioned, with our first guest in uh, just a few minutes. Mighty Mouse further cements himself as a pound-for-pound king with a brilliant armbar against Ray Borg. Um, you all saw the highlight. Truly amazing. Only getting better. Um, then he made a point to respond to the Vegas shooting tra tragedy like a true professional. Can't say enough about the guy. The question is, what's next for him? You'll hear us talk a little bit about that with Dwayne um, in regards to TJ after defeating Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Dwayne thinks that, that uh, Demetrius Johnson would be a very good opponent for, for TJ. So what's next for Demetrius? He's cleaned out the division a couple times over now, really untouchable at 125. Is it time for him to move up, or is it for, time for another guy to move down and, and uh, contest him? So we'll see how that all plays out. Verdun made a very quick work of Walt Harris after Derek Lewis was forced to withdraw with a, what I believe is a back injury. Um and now, Verdum 
replaces Mark Hunt for UFC Sydney. Mark Hunt is pissed off, folks, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, he went on a profanity-stricken tirade against the UFC and Dana White. He claims that he spent 100 k on his fight camp, which is a lot of money to spend on a fight camp. I don't know, you know whether that's uh, completely true or not, but nonetheless, a lot of money if it is true. Uh, and he also says that he was medically cleared to fight. Hunt believes that this is directly related to the lawsuit. You've heard Mark Hunt and his lawyer on the show talk talk to us in depth about that that uh, that lawsuit against the UFC and Brock Lesnar. Um, he says that it's not the official reason the UFC gave, uh, which the UFC says was the statement that Mark Hunt made about damage he's taken and memory loss. Um, not sure how this is all going to play out, but. Sucks for Mark Hunt, big time. You can you can understand why he's upset, and it ought to get pretty ugly, in my opinion. Uh, much more on this story as it unfolds at bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Um, tons of other stuff I could cover, but I'm just going to touch on a couple more things here. Budweiser has withdrawn their deal with the UFC, withdrawn from their deal, rather, and uh, Modelo has taken their place. I'm not sure if there's more to this and there's something worth reading into here in regards to the direction of the company, but nonetheless, an interesting development, in my opinion. Um, Invicta FC, they've entered, entered partnership with Pancrase. Pretty cool stuff. I'm a fan of that. Uh, you know, two divisions, uh, two promotions that have probably been uh, struggling to, to get a lot of that uh, cash fan base. And I think the, their powers combined, you know, why wouldn't it work out? Um, and the biggest news of the week has to be the rumor that uh, Conor McGregor is in talks at the WWE for a WrestleMania appearance. Um, <laughs> that man is making money, and he's a hot ticket, hot item. Everybody wants him. Let's see if the deal does get done and he does end up on WrestleMania. It'd be a pretty cool crossover for, for you know both sets of fans. Um, but let's see if he's too big, too big for the company now, too big for the UFC. Um, as that develops, as of all this develops, all that and much more at bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Um, we'll be following all this stuff regarding all these stories and all the ones that, that I didn't get a chance to cover. Stay tuned, Pen, Pen Nation. We've got you covered. Everything you crave from the sport you love, all in one place, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Uh, so that's it. That's it for this week, guys. It's 815. We're going to try to get Eddie Bravo on the line. And uh, keep it rolling here at BJPenn.com Radio. The fighter's voice, the voice of you guys, the fans. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, Eddie Bravo.
All right, Penn Nation. I think we're going to run our Dwayne Ludwig interview first. Uh, okay, now Eddie's just getting back to me. <laughs> Hold on one second, folks. All right, maybe I'll hold off and we'll get Eddie on here in just a second. All right, perfect. All right, guys, we're going to get back on here with Eddie Bravo in just a second. Nation, please welcome back to the show the man who built the BJJ empire and is who is who is an icon of the sport today in the eyes of many. Of course, I'm talking about Eddie Bravo. Pleasure to have you back, Eddie. How are things at 10th Planet today, man? Everything's beautiful, man. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And as I said, we greatly appreciate your time. Much to discuss, but before we jump into things, man, how is the knee? Uh, did you end up getting surgery? You know what? Um, I'm going to try to rehab it. Um, the doctor said I could go ahead and do surgery or I could uh, try to rehab it and see if it works. You know, if it doesn't work, then we'll have surgery either way. So, but uh, my shoulder's messed up too. I got a real bad shoulder. So I'm, I'm a mess. Oh man. But Sorry to hear that. Right, oh, right, right. Go, goes with the territory. And of course, man, I got to ask you about the music. I was on the SoundCloud today looking for maybe some new stuff. You got anything new from Smoke Serpent coming out? Well, you know, I just released an album on YouTube, 15 songs. It's called Mix Flick of Death and Devotion. It's on my YouTube channel. It's kind of a concept album. It's kind of, you know, um, it's uh, three of my bands all put together in one album, Smoke Serpent, Hook Thieves, and Temple of Mirror, all cut oh, wow. to my favorite movies, like uh, like cut to um, the music videos are, you know, Scarface, uh, uh, Natural Born Killers, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Memento, The Crow, Enter the Dragon, 28 Days. Just just the, like my favorite movies cut to my music. So um, it's kind of a yeah, you know, you know like co- concept record. Yeah, that, that's ringing a bell to me, actually. I think, uh, I think that's been out for a while now, right? Well, um, I've, been, I've, been putting, I've been putting them together one by one and releasing them, but the album just came out like two months ago where I put them all together on one video. So it's 15 songs, uh, 13 different movies, a documentary, and then and two documentaries. So it's all um, it's all for free on YouTube. Go check it out. Mixed flick of death and devotion. Sick man, awesome. Well, I'll definitely check it out uh, after the show for sure. Uh, so tell us, man, how happy are you about Tony finally getting the strap wrapped around his waist this weekend? It's amazing, man. This is this was the original plan for 10th planet all along is to uh, improve the bottom game in, in the UFC and MMA and um, for Tony to win off his back 
in the octagon, in the main event for the belt. I mean, it's just, it all just came together. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a perfect evening. You know, it was like that right there, what Tony did and, and what Geo did in uh, EBI 10. It was just like this, two of the greatest achievements for 10 Planet. It's been a good year. For sure. You know, another slick submission by Tony, as you mentioned, repping 10 Planet for life. How did you rate his performance overall? He was, it was perfect. It was perfect. You know, there was a, a couple things that um, he improvised and he, you know, he's, he's not only is he uh, just an excellent student and remembering everything I teach him and he, he, you know, he takes notes, he takes mental notes as well. He watches video over and over again. He really is a student of the game. Um, I, I rarely have to teach him anything twice. Uh, he just picks things up and he's constantly expanding, constantly adding new weapons to his arsenal, not just the ground game, but um, his wrestling and his striking is is just expanding and just getting more and more unorthodox. And, you know, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, it certainly shows all of the improvements he's making. And as you said, the unorthodox stuff that people aren't used to seeing, um, very slick on his feet and on the mat as well. How close is that armbar in your opinion? It was pretty damn close. I thought I thought it was a wrap right there, you know. Um, at the very end, um, we look back at it, and, he, and maybe he should have swam instead of uh, he should have faced the legs and swam to Spiderweb instead of facing him and trying. He was trying to turn it into an omoplata, but you know, um, he ended up getting the triangle, you know, and, you know, and all, the triangle and the armbar were set up by his elbows. He was throwing some devastating elbows, and and even Kevin Lee said it. He said those he wasn't prepared for the elbows, and we we planned that, you know. Um, we planned on on if Kevin ended up in Tony's guard, full guard, that uh, throw just blasting elbows, just like Ben Saunders, how he did to um, I think it was Heather Lee or I forget. He, he, there was a couple guys where I mean Ben Saunders went around in off his back because he just kept throwing elbows, vicious elbows, you know. And it's those twelve to six elbows that are illegal from the mount. If you do them, those exact same elbows but you're on your back in full guard, which is just an upside-down mount. They're totally legal, and a lot of fighters still don't know those 12 to 6 elbows from the bottom are totally legal. And if you wrap so fire them, too. yeah, they're, they're devastating. And, you know, it was, it was Jose Pele Landy um, back in the late 90s in fighting in Brazil. He was one of the OGs in shoot box. He's the one who really set the pace for those elbows. No one really threw elbows from the bottom like Jose Pele Landy. And I always remember that. I was always a big fan of his. So, um, you know, those are 12 to 6 elbows from the guard mixed in with rubber guard. It's a great combo, elbows and rubber guard. For sure, for sure. Now, I know you mentioned this week that, that preparing for Kevin was sort of an extension of the camp for Khabib. Uh, what was the game plan for Kevin? Did Tony go out there and execute what you guys have been working on, you know, across the board? Absolutely, man, absolutely. You know, um, <clears throat> Uh, just just that mount escape at the end, you know, he there was two mount escapes that we were focusing on, uh, Jean-Jacques mount escape and then the Hail Mary mount escape. And what we were preparing for is if the Jean-Jacques mount escape doesn't work, if we can't make him shift to S mount, then we got to fire that Hail Mary. And it's exactly what he did, and that's how he got out. So that, you know, that, that uh, gape right there at the end of the first round was crucial. And, um, um, you know, you don't want people saying, oh, the round ended with him in the mount, you know, that was in the middle of the round, blah, 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 whatever. But it was clear that he escaped. So none of that talk is uh, being uh, spoken right now. So that was a yeah, beautiful thing. Um, important moment, and, for uh, sure. Yeah, and the one thing that Tony did, uh, he, he totally did on his own and improvised on his own, 
we were training to wall walk if he if he tried to if he had him on his back and he had him against the cage you know wall walking but what tony did was was even better and we're going to add that to the training as well as you know um he uh, kevin had him against the fence on his back but he couldn't really do anything uh, because Tony was can opener, he, he put a can opener from the bottom on Kevin Lee, so Kevin was trapped with a can opener. And then at the right time, Tony put both feet on the hips and pushed him away and stood up. That right there, that people should take uh, take notes on that because that really is is uh, crucial. And um, I don't know if someone already has that down, that specific technique down with a can opener from the bottom and waiting for the right time to push them off and stand up because it was is something that um, is crucial for anybody on their back against the cage. Yes. And yeah, you don't that, see that. made that up right there. Yeah, you don't see that at all. You know, uh, can opener is always from the top, and it's usually a wrestling guy's move. So uh, yes, definitely yes. very cool stuff there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we learned a lot. Absolutely. I'd imagine that you guys expected Kevin to gas out from the pace of Tony. You know, did you think that, that Kevin would have some success like he did in the earlier rounds? Yeah, we, you know, we didn't underestimate Kevin at all. Kevin is a beast. He could, you know, any given day, he could give, you know, anybody at the top a run for their money and, and even pull out some wins. He's, you know, his wrestling is, is, is um, outstanding. Uh, Tony's hard to take down and he got taken down two or three times. So, you know, we expected that. We weren't surprised, but we worked. We worked from the worst case scenario. You know, we were working on a lot of um, back escapes, which we do anyways. But we were focusing on, you know, body triangle escapes and 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 the, the proper strategy um, to escape that. And we worked that a lot. And you know, we never got to that. So you know, I wasn't surprised. Though. I, I told Tony, we might not ever get it. You might not ever get your back, but we got to be prepared for it. And he never got his back. So. Um, we prepared for that the most because that's what Kevin's been finishing a lot of people with. He's been getting backs uh, professionally and closing the deal professionally. So we, we had to respect that. For sure. For sure. Now between rounds, I mean, did you guys in the corner, did you guys see something in Kevin, you know, where his pace started to decline rapidly at the end of the second going into the third? Yes, absolutely. We saw it uh, even, even right at the beginning of the second, you, you could just see he was kind of fading already, but um, he's a wrestler, and they know how to – wrestlers know how to suck it up and, and take, you know, those final shots. And he, he, was, he was wearing down, but uh, he, um, he had enough power to get a couple takedowns. So, you know, we, we knew we weren't out of the woods yet, even though there were, there were signs of him fatiguing. We knew we had to close the deal strong, couldn't, uh, couldn't take a chance. But, <clears throat> yeah, everything played out beautifully. Absolutely, man. Uh, post-fight, both guys showed a lot of respect to each other, and, and uh, Tony certainly made the most of the time on, his, uh, on the mic for himself. Uh, but before we talk about the McGregor call-out, what was the feeling like for you to, to see one of your star pupils get the belt wrapped around his waist? This must have been very special for you, man. Oh, yeah. It was, it was incredible. It was, my head was pounding from uh, you know, right when Kevin tapped. I don't know how many times I said, what the fuck? What the fuck? I said it just looked because they wouldn't let us in the cage for like two minutes. And, you know, the other corner, man, we just kept looking at each other, just screaming, and screaming. And we couldn't believe it. You know, we couldn't believe it. And uh, we didn't expect the triangle, although, you know, uh, what we were working on from the, from the guard, besides, besides the elbows, we were working on uh, different stuff. 
you know, we're focusing on different stuff. Don't really want to give it away. But, um, you know, Tony would always throw in a triangle here and there. And he hasn't been, he hasn't been known as a triangle guy. And, and during training, he would just go for him. And, uh, and I thought, man, he's going to end up being really good at triangles, man, because he's just gravitating towards them and, and going to them on his own and, and cinching them up and closing the deal. And, um, you know, the rubber guard isn't, isn't focused on getting triangles, but triangles are always there on the periphery. You know, the triangles are there when uh, maybe the rubber guard's getting shut down and they're worried too much about rubber guard. Boom, you hit them. You just hit them with the basic pop triangle. You know, it's always got to be right there. Even, even when you're in spider web, you're always looking for the triangle. You're going for arm crushes. You're going for Bollinger breaks. But the triangle's always right there. Same thing off your back. Maybe you're going for a go-go. Maybe you're looking for a hazelet. Maybe you're going for a go-go clinch. But then, bam, the triangle's right there. Even on the top in a, in a mounted uh, go-go with um, all the options there, straight jackets and all that stuff, triangle's always right there. So the triangle is always waiting for you right there. But we're not, we're not necessarily going directly to the triangle. We're going to other stuff, but the triangle's always an option. And he, and he took that option. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, beautiful submission. And, and what a better way for, as I mentioned, him to rep 10th Planet and, and win that title. What were the emotions like backstage for you, man? I, you know, I know you guys are very close. What was it like backstage between the team and, and Tony? Just pure joy, happiness, relief. Um, you know, he deserves it. You know, I've never worked with a fighter that's worked as hard as, as Tony. Tony is a savage, you know. He really is. I mean, he he's he literally can train for six hours straight. I've seen him do it many, many times. Witnessed it. Just watched him. He just goes and goes and goes and goes. He he's a he's a true soldier. You know, he should be. He, he could easily be like some kind of mercenary, maybe SEAL, Operation Forty type guy. <laughs> and a scary one at that. A scary one at that. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. <laughs> Like I mentioned, man, Tony wasted no time, ripped into McGregor immediately. The McNuggets line was uh, was pretty freaking hilarious, in my opinion. Is there any doubt in your mind that that fight with Connor will be next for Tony? It's a hundred percent, I think. In my, in my, in my, based on what Dana's saying, Dana, because people were saying, well, Connor's gonna he's gonna fight Nate. They're talking about it, and the fact that Dana White said that, you know, Nate was never even. You know, ever brought up, or there was no meetings about that, and you know, it's complete internet bullshit. Uh, and he said that Connor has to fight Tony or vacate, he has to, and Connor's never backed out of a fight, so I would say it's 99% it's going to happen. Well, it certainly makes the most sense to division, and as you mentioned, Dan might seem to be on board, uh, but it's also a fight that keeps integrity for the sport. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. That's the that's the fight right there. Are you kidding me? El Kukui and Conor McGregor. Holy shit! That's the fight. That's 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 the fight right there. Yeah, it'd be an amazing one, amazing one for the fans. Has there been any uh, timeline discussed about this? You know, how quickly would Tony like to get back in there, given the choice? I don't know. I don't know. I think he'll. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, they think he's ready to go. You know, as far as what he said in interviews. He's ready to go right away, you know, maybe a New Year's Eve fight or something, you know? Yeah, that that would make the most sense, December 30th. I think that's UFC 219. Um, now, Connor's coach said earlier this week um, that Connor would be more clean and technical than Tony, and he believes that uh, Connor would knock him out. What's your response to that? And give us your thoughts on uh, why Tony is such a bad matchup for Connor. 
Well, you know, you know, if, if you don't have respect for Connor and his abilities, then you haven't been paying attention. You know, you know, in this game at the top, anything could happen. You know, I, I never guaranteed a victory over Kevin Lee. I, I never guaranteed victories. The only time you can guarantee a victory is if your opponent is a duck and it's a mismatch. Um, you know, you, you just you just never know. You just never know. Uh, Connor has great power. He has great uh, striking technique. Um, uh, so does Tony. You know, on the feet, man, anything could happen. It's like Russian roulette. You never know. Uh, but um, you know, it, it's hard. To, it's it's hard to. You can't predict that fight. You know, maybe you know, maybe Tony takes him down and, and strangles him. You know, that if you ask me what the best game plan would be, I would say, hey, you know, maybe Tony could knock uh, McGregor down. Maybe he could just stay on the outside and just pop him with jabs and wear him down and, and do what Nate Diaz did to him. You know what I mean? That's a possibility. Tony's got a great chin. He's got great striking. He's just as orthodox as, as Conor McGregor, if not even more. You know, so, you know, Conor McGregor might get knocked out. You just never know. But the, I think the best strategy would be to – to take Connor down and strangle him. Yeah, and I think I think you would have a very tough time with the likes of El Kakui on top of him or even in his guard. Uh, but there's been a lot of people saying that uh, – oh, it appears that we lost Eddie Bravo. One second, folks. All right, guys, drop call, but never a problem. We're back with Eddie Bravo. Uh, so a lot of people have been saying, man, that that uh, Tony is a worse matchup than Nate Diaz, uh, has all of his skills plus some. I'd imagine you'd agree with that. Like I said, in this in this game, you don't know anything could happen. You know, um, is is Tony a worse matchup for McGregor than Nate Diaz? Um, maybe that that could be a possibility. You know, I mean, Nate Diaz did beat McGregor already, so. You know, it's really hard to, to to predict. You know, it's very hard to predict. Um, and, and I don't like predicting fights. Uh, can Tony beat McGregor? Hell yeah. Can he beat him on his feet? Hell yeah, he can. Can he beat him on the ground? Hell yeah, he can. You know, but no doubt, Connor, Connor can knock anybody out. You know, he has a tremendous power. So you just don't know how it's going to play out. But we're going to be prepared. Just that, that you can count on. Well, as I said, it's certainly the the most uh, the fight with the most integrity and something that I know all the fans would be looking forward to very much and definitely one of Connor's biggest tests without a doubt to date. But changing gears here for a minute, the past few times we've had you on the show, we've been discussing EBI quite a bit. Uh, but this event coming up in November is something really special, you know, for me particularly as a BJJ fan. Um, the very first Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds Tournament. When this first got announced, very excited uh, and you know, when you take a look at all the names competing, this thing is going to be crazy, in my opinion. Uh, tell us about how it all came together and how much interest there's been since its announcement. Well, Combat Jiu-Jitsu was plan A before EBI. EBI was plan B. So, uh, like, maybe four years ago, I tried to, you know, I had to get through the commission uh, to put on a Combat Jiu-Jitsu show. So I had to sanction it as a sport. So we had, you know, meetings with the commission. Um, I wanted to do combat jujitsu just like you see it in EBI, not in a cage, in open mats with rash guards, palm strikes. But uh, the commission, they, you know, they didn't really know what they really didn't know what they were getting into. So they kind of just played it safe and just said, okay, you could do it. 
because you know we're there's no striking stunning. It's it's safer than amateur MMA. But they wanted it in a cage, and they wanted us to wear gloves, and um, and they were going to give give me three two minute rounds. And I was like, man, can't do anything with three two minute rounds. So they said three three minute rounds, but you got to be in a cage. So you know, I just accepted it, and we 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 put on a combat jujitsu special match at a university of MMA show, which is an amateur show. So in the middle of an amateur MMA show, we had a special combat jujitsu match in a cage with gloves. Eric Compella Cruz, he was the first guy. He won. He got a rear naked choke. But, you know, you, in a cage, it just doesn't look good. It just it, it just didn't. And, and plus three three-minute rounds. I wanted one ten-minute round. I wanted the overtimes, like the way EBI was. So we tried it again. We did another special combat jiu-jitsu match a couple months later at University of MMA, the, the amateur MMA show. And then again, you know, uh, Nate Harris, who's one of my – he's a 10th planet Albuquerque head instructor, he did it, he got a rear naked choke, I'm still mixed reviews, so I thought, you know what, it's not, I, I, then plan B was just EBI, I said, you know what, I'm just going to do submission only, you know, I, it's not, gonna, it's not, combat jiu-jitsu is not working out the way I planned, so we did EBI, and it's plan B, and after about eight or nine shows, I thought, let me ask the commission again, if I could, if I could do combat jiu-jitsu with palm strikes, um, on open mats, no cage, and a one ten minute round. Let me ask them. So when I asked them this time, they were all for it. They just they they loved the idea and they're all for it. So it just it just came together really quick. So you know I, I decided to introduce it at EBI eleven. We did a special four man combat jujitsu tournament. Um, you know interwoven within the sixteen man regular EBI rules tournament, and people just loved it. It was it stole the show. So. Um, we did it again with the girl show, the all-girl EBI show. We had a special four-woman combat jiu-jitsu uh, tournament interwoven again, once again, with the regular EBI tournament, and we had great response. So now we're going to do just a pure combat jiu-jitsu show called Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds 1. We got Cole Miller. Gary Tonin's going to do it. Um, like I said, Cole Miller, Cole Miller from the UFC, he's doing it. Um, uh, yeah, Diego uh, Brandao, Matt Danzig, yeah, Nathan Orchard, yes. Chad George. I mean, yep. when I was looking at the when I was looking at the roster, I was like, man, this is insane. Could you have asked for a better lineup? Yeah, man. I mean, it, this is it's it's uh it's looking good. It's looking really really good. You know, we're gonna have uh, Combat Jiu Jitsu World is gonna be two eight man tournaments. We're gonna do a fifty five one fifty five tournament eight-man tournament, and then a 135 eight-man tournament. In the 135 eight-man tournament, we're bringing back four of the guys that started it all back in EBI 11, Chad George, Sheridan Moran, Nick Hohenstein, who, was the, who won the whole thing, and J.M. Holland from 10th Planet of Bethlehem. We're bringing those four guys, plus um, J.P. Byes from Alpha Male, um, one of Uriah's guys, uh, plus Wilson Hayes from the UFC. He's doing it. Um, yeah, Sean Santella. Yeah, Sean Santella from Brian McLaughlin's gym. Yeah, so we're bringing a, a Nick Pace, who also used to fight for the UFC. He's doing it too. So um, Nick Pace, doing, really? Uh, yep, yep. So you know, Plan A is back, and we're going full force with combat jiu-jitsu. You know, that's that's we're gonna. I think that I think that combat jiu-jitsu has the potential to be um, bigger than EBI. I think it does. You know, what's can you imagine watching? Uh, ADCC and they could palm strike on the ground. How insane that would be. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Absolutely yeah, be amazing. Insane. So 
I would imagine that the, the first two uh, test runs you did at EBI 11 and what was it, EBI 12? Yes. Yeah, so the two test runs, I mean, was the the interest overwhelming from that point? I mean, I'm, you, I would imagine you had guys hitting you up immediately after that. Yeah, yeah, people love it. People love it. I mean, it's, it's jujitsu that, you know, with palm strikes on the ground, you know, stand, standing up, it's just wrestling. There's no, you don't have to worry about Muay Thai or boxing or anything, standing up. But as soon as someone hits the ground, you could palm strike them to the face and to the body. And uh, there's going to be TKOs, you know, there's not going to be all submissions, but it's designed to open up the submission. It's designed to keep your jujitsu a little more honest. It's designed to prepare aspiring MMA fighters better than any other style of jiu-jitsu. I mean, uh, like, you know, 10 years from now, if combat jiu-jitsu continues, you know, you never know. But if it does, um, no doubt in my mind that the champions of combat jiu-jitsu will translate into MMA um, a lot easier than champions in, like, you know, submission-only jiu-jitsu or gi jiu-jitsu or point jiu-jitsu. That, that's 100%. So that's really – that's the main focus is to keep – to ha- to keep your jujitsu as MMA ready as possible. And, um, and with the palm strikes, it's going to correct some stuff. You know, there's going to be some positions that, that are a little too dangerous. You know, uh, there's some leg lock positions that uh, we already saw it in EBI 11, the first combat jujitsu, a four man tournament, uh, double outside Ashi, man, you can get, you can get beat up right there. So it's going to, it's going to, it's going to prepare the leg lock game better for MMA as well. People are going to learn what leg locks are safer when strikes are involved. So it's basically just going to make your jujitsu better uh, for reality, whether it's the streets or in the cage, you know. Um, and it's also for it's not just for guys who who want to have a, a a career in MMA in the future, but right now they just want to focus on their jujitsu. It's not just for those guys. It's guys that have already done MMA and they're done with the brutality of the kickbox and all that. And they just want to do some jujitsu and, you know, palm strikes, you know, to, to the MMA guys, to the guys fighting in the UFC, when they do combat jujitsu, it's a piece of cake, but jujitsu guys that never done MMA, it's super scary to them. So yeah, the potential, the potential is limitless there. I mean, for crossover, as you said, guys coming back out of, you know, what the, what you would say is MMA retirement, but want to compete. I mean, the potential is limitless there, but you talked about it a little bit with, with uh, anticipating some TKOs. I mean, are, should we expect to see a, a lot of finishes in that manner with strikes? Um, you're going to see some. I don't know how many, but, uh, you know, it's no longer submission only. You know, with combat jiu-jitsu, it's finish only. You know what I mean? And they're going to, you're going to end up uh, abbreviating that and just call it sin only. <laughs> Hashtag sin only. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's really, it's finish, combat jiu-jitsu is finish only. You know, nothing else, so how, nothing else out there is finish only. Nothing out there is finish only. Because submission only is, is submission only. There's no TKO, so you don't go finish only. But uh, combat jiu-jitsu isn't submission only because you could TKO a guy. So... You know, and and MMA, you don't have to fin- you don't have to finish it at all. You can win by decision. So, so um, how is this going to work with the overtime for imagine? the positions? Well, the overtime after a ten minute regulation, the overtime is um, is uh, just like EBI overtime. No strikes in overtime. We just switch it over to EBI overtime. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, see, I was wondering if you were going to, like, put a guy in mount and, you know, immediately put him in <laughs> danger for palm strikes uh, in overtime. But that's cool. So 10-minute opening round, and then you'll have the overtimes with the uh, traditional EBI rules. Yes, exactly. And um, 
the matches can only stay on their feet three minutes at a time. Like if they're wrestling around for three minutes in combat jiu-jitsu and there's no, there's, they're still on the feet after three minutes, a horn sounds and a coin, the ref flips a coin and um, the winner of the coin toss gets to decide if he wants to be on top in full guard or on bottom with full guard. So it's, uh, we can't have 10 minute matches of just wrestling and just going back and forth on the feet. So anytime the, the fights restart on their feet, they got three minutes to get a takedown. If there's no takedown in three minutes, we flip another coin. Someone's going to be in the guard on top or in the guard on bottom. Getting right cool, to it. Cool, cool. So is this going to be on pay-per-view or Fight Pass? Well, EBI, um, EBI, this next EBI is going to be on UFC Fight Pass, but we're, they're also allowing us to do it on pay-per-view as well. So it's going to be on inchbyinch.tv. For nine ninety nine, the EBI is so you you could pay for UFC Fight Pass for you know ten bucks, or you could do a one time deal with uh, at InchByInch.tv, which is you know my company, um, and also Combat Jiu Jitsu is going to be on InchByInch.tv as well. That's going to be a little okay, more cool. Expensive. Combat so, so- Combat Jiu Jitsu is going to be. I'm going to encourage people to throw parties instead of you know trying to bust people for throwing parties. We're going to charge twenty nine ninety nine for combat jiu-jitsu, and we're going to encourage parties. Get a bunch of your friends over, twenty nine ninety nine, and uh, you know everyone pitches in four bucks. So you got to oh, it makes sense sport. to me for, for some tremendous action, man. It only makes sense to me. Um, I'm sure this is just the first of many to come, but looking ahead, you know, what's a, what else is in the works for combat jiu-jitsu? Do you have any idea on what weight class you would like your next tournaments to be? Um, we don't know yet, but the UFC wants to get involved actually with combat jiu-jitsu. So we're, we're negotiating right now. Uh, they they want to partner up with us with the pay-per-view and, and, and just do a straight pay-per-view event, non-UFC fight pass for combat jiu-jitsu. And just, cause they do that with glory kickboxing. They'll do a glory kickboxing, a paper, they'll co, uh, um, co-brand a pay-per-view event. You know, they'll put it on, you could either go to UFC.tv or InchByInch.tv. So that is probably going to happen. Um, as a matter of fact, I just got an email from them. We've we got to work out the details. But um, regardless, you can see EBI and Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds on InchByInch.tv. Awesome, awesome. All right, Eddie, you've been more than generous with your time. Always a pleasure to speak with you, my man. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. I know EBI... Uh, 13, October 22nd, Nathan Orchard, Gary Tonin, a lot of other guys on that card, Combat Jiu-Jitsu, Worlds, the tournament, the first one, the inaugural one, it'll be on inchbyinch.com, also, uh, .tv, okay, my apologies, inchbyinch.tv. Before we wrap things up, man, why should everybody make sure to to tune in for both EBI 13 and Combat Jiu-Jitsu? We'll say that again. But before we wrap things up here, yeah, my bad, my bad. Um, why should everybody make sure sure to tune in for both of these events? I think it's going to be well. If you like jujitsu, it's going to be exciting. <laughs> you know. Also, we have uh, December third, Sunday, December third. We have EBI fourteen, which is the absolutes with Gordon Ryan, Vinny Magalhaes, Rustin Chiziev, Herbert Ur- Santos, he's doing it. So that's, that's going to be at the Onnit Academy. That's December 3rd. So we got three shows coming up, EBI, Combat Jiu-Jitsu, and then EBI Absolutes. It's going to be nuts. Should we expect this to be a monthly thing, or are you looking to do maybe more than once a month with, with this show? 
We don't know at this point. You know, we just, I just had a meeting at the UFC about the 2018 schedule, and it looks like we're going to – we're for sure going to do four shows of EBI next year. We don't know how many combat jiu-jitsu world show we're going to do, maybe one or two, maybe four. Not, we're not sure. Okay. Well, regardless, lots of awesome stuff coming up in the future. I know I'll be tuning in. I hope all the listeners tune in as well. They've got the info on where to watch it, how to pay, and you're encouraging parties for Combat Jiu-Jitsu. Always a pleasure, man. Congrats to you and Tony on the big win. Very much looking forward to all the future has in store for him, man. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Who? I I think we pretty much hit on everything. For sure, my man, for 10 sure. Planet J- right. 10planetjj.com. Uh, you could, uh, if you want to learn the 10th Planet system online, go to 10planetjj.com slash techniques for five bucks a month. You get 130 hours of t- jiu-jitsu taught by myself at headquarters. It's, uh, it's an insane amount of jiu-jitsu for five bucks a month. And uh, every three weeks I come out with a new episode that's on average two hours. So there's, there's just too much technique. <laughs> it's all there for you. Wow, that's a tremendous a value. Five bucks a month, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just not asking for much, just a little bit. All right, my man. Again, greatly appreciate the time tonight, Eddie. Certainly look forward to the uh, to the next time and all the future has in store for both you, Tony, and the EBI brand. Thank you very much, my man. You have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Bye. All right, there you have it, Penn Nation. Eddie Bravo. I don't know what was up with me. I couldn't speak towards the end of that interview. But we, for the sake of time, we got to keep it rolling. We're going to jump right into things here with Mark, the hand of God beer, as we talked about, was supposed to fight at UFC 216 this weekend. Unfortunately, was not able to with the uh, withdrawal of Derek Lewis. His opponent, Walt Harris, was then uh, bumped up to fight Fabrizio Verdum. We'll talk about all that and much more coming up here in just a second with Mark Godbeer. This is BJPenn.com Radio. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. We're keeping it rolling. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show UFC heavyweight competitor, Mark the Hand of Godbeer. Welcome back to the show, Mark. We greatly appreciate the time. I understand you are currently back in England. Is that correct? Yeah, I got back last night. got back late last night. So um, it's good to be back. And, you know, the, it's good to be back with loads of rain and dull, boring weather, you know, love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no like, place like home, being, right? Like, rather than being in sunny Las Vegas, you know, so. so. So, there's much to discuss, man, but but let's start with the cancellation of the fight with Walt Harris. Uh, when did you get the news that they had scrapped the matchup to have Walt replace Eric Lewis? Okay, so, it, it, it was a funny setup. Um, uh, so, so let's get one thing clear. With, with everything I say, I don't blame the UFC and the decisions. I don't blame Walt's decisions. So there's no finger pointing. There's no blame going on anywhere. Um, I'm just going to put the point across. Basically, um, just an, just unfortunate, really. One of their main events, uh, Fabricio Verdum and Derek Lewis, um, a couple of hours before, literally a couple of hours before um, us guys or Derek Lewis and Fabricio uh, were due to meet. Um, Derek Lewis apparently put his back out. I know it's been an ongoing issue, um, but he put his back out. It's just unfortunate. And uh, Burdum was left without a 
without a um, uh, an opponent. So we didn't know what was going on. We was told that our times had moved slightly. So um, obviously I'm in the changing rooms. I'm warming up. Um, half an hour before we're due to go on, um, the, one of the commissioners or one of the UFC officials come in and said, listen, Mike, this is what's happening. You've now been moved to the main event. Uh, I'm sorry, the main card. We were moving in place of Verdum and um, Derek Lewis. And, you know, at that point, my energy levels went from sort of, well, energy levels were high anyway, obviously, because I was fighting. But then it went from that to like, this This is this is it. This is the time to really um, put on a, a good performance, you know? Yeah. Um, and then with that, <laughs> half an hour later, the two matchmakers uh, walked into the room and they said, listen, Mark, um, we're really, really sorry. We've never had to do this before. But obviously, Verdum is the scheduled uh, main event for this show, you know? Um, so we've had to put, uh, um, we had to put Walt Harris with Verdun. And I was like, shit. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was gutted. You know, I went from fighting in half an hour. Because originally we were scheduled for main card anyway, um, when it first came out. Um, and we went from main card, and then obviously, and rightfully so, Demetrius Johnson and stuff were put on the UFC 216 card. Um, so rightfully so, we were demoted back down to as a feature fight in the um, fight pass, yeah. UFC fight pass, which is which is good anyway because you know the UFC feature fights, we still get the same treatment, we still get the same sort of like interviews before the fights and so forth and so forth, and we get pushed a bit more, we get advertised a bit more. So and, and rightfully so, you know, I, I class Demetrius Johnson as as the pound for pound great. So he, his fight got cancelled on 215, I believe. So and they and then we bumped it to 216. So we lost our spot there, which 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 was no, you know, no biggie. I was I was happy just to be on the on the card. Um, but then this turn of events that happened was just you couldn't have written it. Um, you couldn't have written it. Derek Lewis put his back out a couple of hours before. And I'm like, you know, Verdum, people, a lot of people pay to watch Verdum. I'm not in the position yet where I've got the status like Verdum has, you know. Hopefully yeah. I will have, and I will have. You know, I'll prove to people that I do belong in the UFC, but that will come. Um, I think at, at the time the UFC had the backs against the wall, you know. A lot of people was paid to watch the Verdum fight. Um, so I don't blame them. They had to make a decision, and um, unfortunately, my fight got cut. Um, so it sounds, well, it, it sounds to me like it was this crazy whirlwind of events. I mean, you go from featured bout to main card. Your adrenaline really builds up. I mean, that's really exciting news to find out you have an opportunity to fight on the pay-per-view, and then next thing you know, a half an hour later, there's no fight at all. I mean, this must have been a roller coaster, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it was. It was a massive, um, uh, like, truthfully, and I'm not scared to say it, I felt like crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how much, uh, anyone that knows that's in this position, as anyone that knows that, that fight at top level, that fight for, you know, this is, the, the whole lot of this is, 
it's a, the fight game is an emotional roller coaster. On fight day, we go through every single emotion you can think of, and to have things change like they did was just, you know, I I, I didn't know what was going on, but um, you know, and 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 credit to the UFC because the U, like I said, the UFC had their backs put up against the wall. You know, um, they had to make this rash decision. Um, I, I'm not sure if this. I know people's put, but I'm, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this is one of the first even for the UFC. So um, they had their backs put up against the wall, and and uh, you know they had to make the decision. And and unfortunately, I say unfortunately, but um, you know we, we 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 our fight was scrapped. But um, to the UFC's defence, they have looked after me. Um, and me and uh, me and Derek Lewis, I'm not sorry, not Derek Lewis. Me and uh, Walt Harris uh, are now scheduled to fight on um, the New York card. So yeah, this is so, um, yeah, it, 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 it worked out okay. You know, it, it was it was a strange turn of events. No one was to blame. Decisions had to be made, and I have been compensated and. You know the UFC has, has looked after me. You know they know you they know what they've, they they know what they I went through and 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 I've been appreciated for it. You know. Yeah. So so, so with it, all the with all the frustrations of a full camp, flying out to Vegas, flying your team out to Vegas, and then not fighting, you were compensated financially, and and as you mentioned, you, you guys got rescheduled for the New York card. But uh, when it comes to the financials, you were given full show money, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes, I was given full show money. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's there's a lot of, but let's get let's get one thing clear. There's I've I've read a lot of tweets and a lot of people say, oh yeah, you know, um, at least he got paid. Yeah, I did get paid and stuff. But you know, it, uh, like I said, it's no one's fault. It, it's no one's fault. But unless you've been there, unless you're a fighter, the emotions I wouldn't. That I went through that day, I wouldn't put that on anyone. You know what I mean? No, no amount of money can um, can. I, I got used to the right word here. No amount of money can sort of like put like can can. Uh, I, I got. I'm trying to use the right word without. You know, well, and, and, but and, it, it ain't about it ain't about the money. Put it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like us us as fighters, we're, we're professional fighters. We started this earning nothing. We started it it's because what it's what we love to do, you know. And at the time, it was just that build up and getting to that point, and then getting dropped off. It was just it was just a crazy roller coaster ride, man. Yeah. Well, that, that was going to be my next question, actually. You know, all in all, that this could have been worse. I mean, you got paid, you didn't have to compete. Although I know you would have rather competed. But at the end of the day, I mean, without the burden of, of the financials, this has all kind of become a blessing in disguise, right? Now that you're going to be able to have a payday so much quick, you know, in, in such a short period of time and then also be able to compete in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it is. It is it's worked out in my favor. And also, um, at the time, I didn't see it. I was like, man, I'm fucking pissed off. You know, sorry, I don't mean to swear, you know. No, no, at the no, time, no. I'm, just, I'm just giving you my honest, you I'm giving you my honest <laughs> opinion. That, that was that was my emotions, you know what I mean? I was like, man, fuck, this is what's going on, you know? But, you know, I've come home, I've reevaluated it. Literally, the next day, UFC, um, obviously because, um, 
you know, the turn of events which happened with Verdum and, and uh, you know, my opponent, um, because because of the turn of events, I keep getting Walt and Derek Lewis mixed up for some reason, but, you know, um, because of the turn of events and how the fight panned out with Walt and Verdum, uh, um, I don't think Walt got injured, so it just made sense to bang. But let's let's get a hold of both guys again. Let's put it back on for New York, and that's what they've done. The UFC literally the next day the fight was rescheduled for New York. So when I got home and I've evaluated everything, um, you know, it, I could have let it get in my head, but I haven't. I've, it's a blessing in disguise. I've been compensated once, and then and now I, I'm gonna fight and get compensated again within the space of a month. So so it has worked out in my favour. Um, the first thing I've done as well is, obviously, when when I found out and I was like, you know, with Sean Shelby and stuff, I, I was like, listen, is this 100% this is what's happening? Am I not fighting? They said, we're really sorry, Mark. I said, okay, so I've accepted it. It's done. Um, the first thing I thought, which was the rightful thing for me to do, was I walked straight into uh, Derek, um, Walt Harris's uh, changing room. I shook his hand and I said to him, listen, if they put me in that position you're in, I would grab it by the horns and do it myself, you know? We're all there to, for one thing, and that is to get ourselves high up the ladder and be the best in this division, you know? So I don't blame him for making that decision either, you know? So, in fact, I admire him. I think he had he, he stepped in against one of the greatest in the world on literally two or three hours notice, you know what I mean? That, that, that just it just goes to show what type of man he is to do that in itself, you know? So, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't blame, I don't blame no one in this situation. Yeah, and, and that goes along with the fact, you know, you talk about his uh, the situation. If you were in his shoes, you would do the same thing. I'm wondering, was there any discussion of, of maybe you replacing Derek, or did they immediately give that option to Walt? No, I, I think... On paper, it made like, I can see if I put myself in matchmaker's shoes. Okay, we're the only two heavyweights that are on that card, apart from uh, Derek Lewis and Verdum. So, like um, to save the Verdum fight, if you look at it on paper, um, you know Walt has had more experience in the UFC than what I have. So I'm not saying he's a better fighter than me because I truly do believe. I was ready to to win that fight. I do. I, I truly believe that you know you were going to see a different me that night, and you will do in 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 New York next month. I can guarantee you that. But um, on paper, uh, as a matchmaker's perspective, you've got to you know you've got to look at the um, the matchmaker's job and 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 pick realistically at the time for that situation who was the best to step in and save. Um, on paper, I believe Walt's had seven fights with the UFC. Um, I've had two with the UFC. So it just made sense for Walt to step up rather than me, you know. Um, and, and and also, he's a bigger guy. Not a bigger guy. He's, he's, he was an American guy as well. So And we were in America. So on a fan basis, he probably had a bit, bit of a bigger fan basis than what I did at the time. Um, but, you know, this is, all stuff like this is sent to test us, you know, and I think um, the way you deal with stuff like this is, is it just, if it doesn't break you, it makes you, you know, so Absolutely. I've took a lot of positives from it. I've took a lot of positives from it. Um, 
you know, I've, I've got a few extra quid, which is always handy because obviously <laughs> I was injured on the... I was injured for the Glasgow card, so I didn't get to fight. So it sort of compensated my injury as well for the fight. I didn't get to um, fight on the Glasgow card. So it, it, it's, it's worked out okay. Absolutely, my friend. Now, you know, you touched on a lot of things there, but um, in regards to Walt fighting Verdum, you know, after watching him lose like that, what, if anything, did you take away from the loss, and, and, and what holes do you see that you can capitalize on? I mean, obviously, Verdum is a wizard on the ground, but was there anything that stuck out for you watching that performance? Um, I, I'm fighting him in three weeks, so all I'm going to say is my game plan is no different than what it was before. Okay. You know, I can't, I can't really, at, at this point in time, I can't really comment too much because, you know... Um, I, I, I don't want to give nothing away. <laughs> no, I completely understand. You know, and, uh, but my game plan is no different to what it was. Um, like I said, I, I'm going to shock a lot of people, and, and I truly believe once you see what's going to go down, then I will. Where do you think he's most dangerous, and you know, would you agree that, that you're probably a bad matchup for Walt? Yeah, definitely. Listen, we're both a bad matchup for each other. We're both bangers, man. You know what I mean? He's got 10 KOs. I've got 9 KOs. You know, it's like, it's like, um, but I do see a lot of holes in his game. I see a lot of holes. I see, you know, Walt doesn't like to be hit neither, you know, so... Mind you, that's probably a bit of an unfair statement because we're, we're, when you're 250-pound blokes and you're throwing bombs at each other, I don't think we're none of us like yeah. it. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, there, there is holes in this game. And, and also, as well, there's holes in my game, you know. We both... Um, uh, and all this is done is just, is just give us both more time to prepare and more time to work out each other's holes in the game. So you know, made the best man win, you know, so um, hopefully I gained, I gained a bit of respect from him, you know, for, for how I dealt with things. Um, I, I never hate on opponents, you know. There's one guy that keeps calling me out, obviously Todd Duffy, but, you know, he never seems to be ready when I respond to it. But, you know, I don't really hate on him. I don't, I don't, I don't hate on, on no one, you know. This is, this is the game. You know, on fight day, on fight day, yeah, I hate you. You know what I mean? I hate everyone on fight day, but then after fight day, it's back to normal, you know? Yeah. Get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, man, we, 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 we talked about how this has all been a blessing in disguise. The, the two paydays, you still get the fight, the quick turnaround. Um, but not to mention all of that, man, you, you'll be competing in Madison Square Garden. Tell us a little bit about what that means to you as a competitor and as an athlete to fight in such a hallowed venue. Do you know what? This is the other positive that's come out of it. I've, I have already fought in Vegas and I won in Vegas in March. So, you know, that's that's they say that's one of the fight capitals. The other fight capital is New York, Madison Square Gardens. I'm now getting a chance to, you know, fight in another one of the best venues in the world next month so it, you know I, I, I said to people everyone back home once the fight got released and stuff was like man do you realise where you're fighting you know this is where this is where history has been made throughout the ages in combat sports you know this is uh, you, you know the, the, just to be there just to be fighting and look at the card as well 
you know, you've got three title fights, I believe, on the card. Um, St. Pierre's coming back. It, it's just like, it's like, man. It's like a dream, you know. So, and I'm just, I'm just relishing everything at the moment, you know. I'm relishing everything. And I just want to, I want a, I want a chance to prove to everyone that I do belong. I do belong here, you know. Um, I think I struggled a little bit my first couple of fights with nerves and 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 the whole they call it the UFC jitters. But I'm over that now, you know. I, I've, I've set my mindset. I've um, I've been now. I've done that. It's just another day in the office type of mindset. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think now you're going to start seeing a different me, uh, the real me, should I say, not different me, you're going to start seeing me settling in and, and really starting to turn some heads and, and make people start, or start showing people that, are, you know, I, I am in the UFC and there's a reason why. Yeah, I have no doubt, my friend, and I certainly... Uh... Where, else, where else better to do it, mate, in, 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 you know, New York, it's like... Incredible stuff, incredible. And I got to admit, man, you know, all things considered here, you've handled this like a like a true professional. I'd imagine that the UFC is going to be pretty inclined to, to turn around and do you a favor in return in the future. I mean, obviously, everything that's transpired here, that's a bit of a favor in itself. But, uh, you know, looking forward, it seems like they owe you one now, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and let's be fair, they, they've repaid me the favor, you know, so... You know, um, I, like I said, we're, we're all professionals. Shit happens. Shit did happen, and and it's how you deal with it that defines you as a character. You know, so um, you know, I, there was at one point, you know, straight afterwards, I had a couple of beers. But you know, I don't, I don't drink for months, obviously, when I'm training and stuff. But afterwards, I didn't know what was going on with the fight and this. And then I had a couple of beers, and I could feel myself brewing up. And then it was like. Shit, man! I need to deactivate my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of that. Get rid of it quick. You know, you know one of those ones where you wake up in the morning and go, "Oh no, oh, no one's seen it." Delete, delete, delete. But it wasn't like that. I, de- I deactivated my account and, and and I just I just read it through, you know. So, um, you know, social media wise now, um, at this sort of level and stuff, you know, I need to be more professional. I get that. Um, you know, I've, I've spoke a lot to my management as well over the last couple of days about how we're dealing with things social media wise and, and you know I've got a good management company Duello Sports Management they, they, they look after me and advise me well and stuff so it's all good you know uh, every, everyone's everyone's still smiling and we've still got the fight so it's all good absolutely my friend as we've discussed in depth here things turned out for the better uh, without a doubt but let's change gears here for a minute Give us your thoughts on the landscape of the division right now. You know, things seem to be so up in the air. No opponent for the champ at the moment, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty at this point. What do you make of the division, the, the landscape of it, and who do you think should be the next challenger for Stipe's title? Um, I think, um, let, let, let's see what's going on with Overeem and Nugano. I think the winner of that fight should should be the next um, contender, and I, I believe they will they will they will be. You know, um, that, that that's a, a clear contender that the winner of that fight is. Is that still going ahead? Obviously, so much has gone on this. So much has gone on this uh, weekend. I don't know what's what at the moment. Is that, are they still fighting? They are. They? Yeah, yeah. I, be, I believe that became official a couple of weeks ago. I, I had to double check, and I didn't want to make myself look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, 
division itself, it, you know, it is one of the hardest divisions um, because we are all such big guys. And, you know, we can't go at these. There's very rarely you see these, like, three, four, five-round wars with heavyweights because we're so big, we hit with these four-ounce gloves and the show's over, you know? So it, it is, in essence, anyone's, anyone's um, division, you know? But at the moment, I think it's the most shallowest division. It, it, it is now, if you're in the UFC heavyweight division at this point of time, it only takes a couple of wins to get right up there, into the, break into the top ten, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, another another win or two, and you're in contender. You, you know, you're, you're, you're in... Um, yeah, you're in contendership, number one contender spot. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and and it's wide open, you know. Um, this division's wide open, you know. With, obviously, I don't know what's going on with the likes of Velasquez and stuff, but they don't seem to be active now. Then you've got, like, you know, Derek Lewis. I, I don't see him coming back now, you know. Um like with obviously everyone's best friends, Usada coming into play with certain certain people <laughs> and stuff. It, it's like it, it's just it's just um yeah, it's wide open and and there's no reason with the right mindset, the right um you know the right camp and the right people around me. There's no reason why I I, I truly don't believe that I can um be be in the mix with with them with these top guys so you know let's see, we'll see yeah, how that, that, was, out. That, that was something i wanted to touch on there uh in a little bit you know where where a big win over walt would put you in the division um but just to touch on some other big news from this week came out yesterday that fabricio would be replacing mark hunt at ufc sydney the ufc stated that Mar- that mark's statements about loss of memory and the damage he's taken that was the reason for removing him from the card of course he's fired back uh you know, and had some harsh words for the company and President uh, Dana White. But being a veteran of the sport and having your fair share of battles, you know, do you agree with the decision by the UFC to pull Hunt off of the card? Um, do you know this? If, if I'm honest with you, this is a tough subject to give an opinion on because of what's actually been going on, obviously, with, with the way Mark's reacted to it and, you know... Um, me being signed with the UFC and that, but um, in, in one aspect, I do feel I do feel for Mark Hunt. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't think any of us know exactly what's going on. The UFC saying that they pulled him on medical reasons. Mark Hunt's team saying, from what I can gather, are saying that that he was cleared to fight. So um, it's one of those ones we need to see the facts paper from both sides to come up with a decision so yeah, that's yeah. that's where i'm with it at the moment all right well, was, that, was that a sensible answer <laughs> no no absolutely absolutely it should get me out of it yeah no no it was just big news involving uh you know common opponents and, and things of that nature so um yeah oh, I do, you know i do feel for mark hunt and you know I, i'm not gonna lie I, I am a mark hunt fan i've been a mark hunt fan for for um back in the pride days, you know, so, um, now given, given his statement, you know, if you yourself suffered from the kind of issues that, that he was talking about, you know, loss of memory, things like that nature, would you, would you keep fighting? The harsh reality of it is, if, if I can be honest, the harsh reality of it is that these are the, 
these are the the downsides of any contact sport is the side effect memory loss over time um you know forgetfulness this you know there's there's no way you can carry on for the rest of your life taking punches kicks elbows knees to the head so um you know, you 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 ha- it has to come to a time where you do, where you have to have the right people around you because as a fighter, a proper fighter won't never know when to give up. Yeah. You know, that's that's why we fight because like you know like that we just so it's, you sometimes you need the right people around you to say and you know if if just say I, I don't know the full story from Mark Hunter I, I didn't know he said these sort of things but if if he has said that he's suffering from memory loss and suffering from this suffering from that then yeah maybe there is a reason why the UFC has said that but you know um it's harsh I I, I also people say to me about um I, my, my, my views on you know like your chin you know people say have you got a good chin and not a good chin I always describe it, um, can you remember the old computer games like Tekken and stuff, and every time you got hit, your your, your life bar just kept going down and down and down and down. I truly believe that's, how you, I believe that's how your chin works in this game. The more impact you take, the, the, the less this life bar becomes until it gets to the point where you just get hit, tapped, and, 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 and you're getting knocked out with jabs and stuff. We've seen it with with other fighters yeah, that ballers fighters, and stuff. Fighters. I don't like to say any names because a lot of them are my heroes and stuff. But you've seen it with uh, other fighters towards the end of their career. Maybe they should have given up two or three fights previous because towards the end of their career, they just went out on lows, you know? Yeah. So, but only, only, only Mark Hunt can answer those questions, you know, and the people around him that are close around him. If the people are close around him and noticing significant changes in his, you know, his memory and the way he's acting and stuff like that, then it's maybe it's down to them to, to you know, to tell him when it's time. And when absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I've always been from the train of thought, especially on the show, I've always maintained that, you know, given what you guys go out there and do, to entertain us, the fans, and, and the media and things of that nature, all the risks that you take to your health, it should be up to you guys when to stop. However, it does take the loved ones and the people around you to tell you enough is enough and to make that decision. A good, a, that, that, a good team a good team should be able to say to you, you know, it's, it's the same as having a, you know, it's the same sort of situation with, you know, how hard is it for a trainer to throw in a white towel, you know what I mean, when you're getting your brain beaten sort of thing. Yeah. It's the same sort of situation. If if trainers and people like people around you are starting to notice these, you know, these things that don't normally happen with yourself, like memory loss, forgetfulness and so forth, you know, if these people start noticing that, then it's bound to people that are around them all the time to say, Look, I have noticed this. I have noticed that. Maybe you should this. But I like I said, I'm, I'm touching on a, on that subject. I don't know if this is the case with Mark Hunt or whether it is or not. Because like I said, I'm a big fan of Mark Hunt. Um, yeah, I think everybody is, man. I th- and I don't know the full story. I'm just giving my opinion on 
on that actual subject, you know? Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And like I said, it's current news and, you know, something important, I think, that doesn't get talked about enough. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. But we'll get back to, to the NYC card here. If Walt has is for some reason unable to compete, let's let's hope that that's not the case. But if that does happen, for some reason he's not medically cleared or whatever the case is, um, if you could handpick any opponent for UFC 217, who would it be at this point? Who do you think makes the most sense for you matchup-wise and, and, and uh, ranking standings? Um, I think, okay, so so this this is, um, there obviously there's, there's, it's, it's, no, it's no common knowledge that I've wanted to fight Todd Duffy because we were originally um, matched to fight, but he pulled out for injury reasons. Then he's put up, a, you know, he's put up tweets and stuff saying that he's ready for December. Um, so after this, the moment this fight got pulled, I was straight on to him. You know what I mean? If, if it, you, want, you want to keep being fucking disrespectful, calling me out, let's fucking go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I took it personally now. I'm thinking, well, you want a piece of this brick? Come and get a piece of this brick. I'll fight you in December. My fight's been pulled. Um, let's let's go in December. You know what I mean? But like, I've I've had no response back from him. Uh, the matchmaker said that he's, you know, then they're getting nothing from him. So, so that let, let's scrap that. You know, we we've called him out. He, he's I've answered his, you know, call out. He's not answering back. So. Todd Duffy's off the card. But what I do think would be a really exciting fight, star-wise or star-wise, I've sort of had a bit of a joke on him, um, you know, on his social media and stuff, you know what I mean? He likes, he, He's becoming a bit of a social media uh, guy with his gifts and stuff, so I call him the gift meister, like, you know, is, uh, <laughs> Chase Sherman. I yeah. think... I think um, yeah, I think I think style-wise, uh, me and him would make an entertaining fight for the fans. And this isn't like a malicious call-out or anything like that, because, like I said, I seem to be having a bit of a joke with him now and again through his social media. Yeah, so, he's a funny guy. Um, he's a but, funny guy. But, yeah, but, but style-wise, I think me and him would be a great fight for the fans. So, you know, maybe that fight can happen and, and we can grab a beer afterwards, you know? So that's meant one for the future, maybe, you know? Yeah, I agree, and that would be a, a great matchup for the division as well. Uh, so I, I agree with you 100% there. But um, on November 4th, against Walt Harris. in China, I believe. Is he fighting in China? Because I know I did sort of ask for that fight um, after this come out. So, you know, I wish him luck on that fight as well. Like I said, there's no maliciousness with that, with that call-out or whatever. I just, it's, just, it's just something... I think that would be a good a good fight for the division and a good fight for the fans itself. So yeah, and I don't think he I don't think he is uh, he's not wasting any time when it comes to marketing himself. So uh, kudos to him as well. So you know the the more you see of that friendly competition between guys and the kind of jokes back and forth on social media, I think that's good for the sport. So kudos to you both. There. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think the last thing I seen with me and him on social media, media we were beating each other up with chairs and baseball bats. <laughs> Even <laughs> this like little gift thing he put yeah, up, you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, and it did make me chuckle, you know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> you know, if the guy's making me, if the guy's calling me out and making me laugh with it, then you know, it, it's got to be a good fight, I mean. All right, so looking forward, assuming that it's going to be Walt Harris with a good performance on November fourth, do you think that puts you in a position to fight a ranked opponent next? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, and like I said, it, it's got to be. I think. It, it can't just be a fluky. It's, I've got, to, I've got to do it, and I've got to do it convincingly. This fight, I've got to go in there, and I've got to convincingly beat this guy and say to everyone, you know, I think on the fight pass, um, 
on the fight pass advertising, I believe they said whoever wins this fight, um, this was the UFC advertising, breaks into the UFC top 15 maybe. So, um, so uh, yeah, you know, if, I, if, I, if that is the case, I don't know, I have to check the rankings, but if it is the case and I do beat him and do break into a top 15 in, 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 in this, then, you know, one step at a time. I don't want to be jumping from 15. I would do. Obviously, I would, but, um, you know, let, let's be sensible about the matter. I don't want to be jumping from top 15 to, you know, top 5. Let's do top 15 and then jump into the top 10 and then go from top 10 and then jump into top 5. Let's build ourselves up into it, you know? Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah I'm, I'm, but, but at the same time, at the same time, if I was in, um, you know, woke shoes like he was and they offered me top 2, I believe Mauricio is, if they offered me a, him in that situation, I'd still fight him anyway because I'm a fighter and I will literally fight anyone. So, but you know that's why we've got management companies and stuff to, to, to you know, to, to to deal with the, um, you know. The, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, assuming you came out of this fight with minimal damage, how quickly do you think you'd be willing to get back in there? And is there any card or, or venue that you'd really like to be a part of? Well, well, me, me you know, me and my girl was. Uh, gonna do this fight and then I'm actually going on vacation tomorrow <laughs> so, because like obviously we're gonna have this fight and then go on vacation for it's only a five day vacation but like I've literally I'm still going on vacation because it's not fair on you know the people around me that I've put through hell for the last 12 weeks but I've, I've literally where I'm going I've, I've, I'm on the net already I'm checking out all the gyms I'm checking out the, the you know the, the jiu-jitsu clubs the striking clubs so it looks like she's going on vacation and I'm going to somewhere else to train for five days. So, um, so uh, maybe, you know, I'll get this one out of the way, which takes me November. Um, I think I'd like to get, I wanted to get, to, my original plan was to get this one done and then have one end of December sort of time, you know, before Christmas. Um, but obviously with this one coming up in November, um, I've got Christmas. I've also got children with my ex-partner, so maybe just a couple of weeks out, get Christmas out of the way with, stay fresh, stay on top of things, and maybe just after Christmas, just after a new year, get another one in, you know? Good, good. So, quick turnaround time, and, and we, we would well, ideally see you I back. Need, you know, this is a hard game, the fight game, and, and like I said, I do have family and a partner and stuff, so... I, I do need to give them of course. a bit of fun back. Of course. Family first, my man. Happy wife, happy well, life, right? But then, but then again, if the UFC offered me something last minute and I'm ready to go, then I'm going to go. So right. it's, it's a selfish game. It, 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 you know, you got to look at the end outcome sometimes also. You know, it's a, it's a selfish, funny game. You never know what the hell is going to happen. Look what happened this weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Right. No, I... I <laughs> I agree, man, and you and you're right. I mean, it, family first, but you also have to take opportunities when they arise. So, listen, it's been a great conversation as always, Mark. I can't thank you enough for the time. In conclusion, man, give us your prediction for the fight. Tell all the listeners out there why they need to make sure that they do not miss this scrap between you and Walt Harris going down November fourth at U, UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden. You're just gonna see a different style completely from me. So, let's see if people can work that one out themselves. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I feel like, you know, I want I want to 
I want to do the McGregor thing. I'm going to KO him in one round and this and that and that. But I also don't want to give away too much because this was a very important fight for me. I just need to get this fight out of the way and then and then I'll start coming into my own and giving bold predictions and stuff. You know, at the moment I need to just win this fight and keep things a little to myself just just for now. Uh, that's an answer. But I am going to I am going to win this fight. That's an answer I respect, Mark. Uh, and as I mentioned, greatly appreciate the time. Always an awesome conversation with you, man. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, Reebok. <laughs> I have to do that one now, don't I? And, um, and, and you know, Booster uh, Fight Gear, thanks for their sponsorship. com. you know, for our cheap flights and stuff. They sponsor me. Um, yeah, just those three guys, you know, and all my training partners and everyone listening in you know thank you for listening and and i appreciate all the support i've had especially over the last week i've had i've had absolutely great support from everyone you know even non-fans just give me props for how i dealt with things and stuff and i really appreciate that you know i appreciate i appreciate that well we're looking forward to what the future has in store and, and how this blessing in disguise unfolds for you my man uh, always a pleasure to speak with you. We, we look forward to having you on again soon, maybe when the fight, fight draws a little closer. Um, and again, man, greatly appreciate the time. So we'll catch you on the flip side, brother, and uh, you have a great night. Cheers, Dad. Thank you very much. All right. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of our favorite guests here at BJPenn.com Radio, Master Splinter, as we've come to call him. Two can... <laughs> Almost two consecutive weeks in the row, but two out of three ain't bad. Of course, it's always a pleasure to be speaking with Dwayne Ludwig. Uh, Dwayne, lots to talk about, man, but how are you? How was the training session with uh, TJ? I am doing fine. The training sessions, uh, our training sessions with TJ are going really, really smooth. It's uh, it's a, it's an awesome journey for me as a martial artist, as, as a martial artist to dissect and break down martial arts and help develop such a dedicated world-class ninja it's just super fun for the evolution and again understanding and developing martial arts it uh, gives me purpose and passion i love it well obviously tj is always something to discuss with you but we'll get to that in a little bit uh i know you had some things you wanted to talk about obviously coming home from uh, amsterdam and all of the uh training you got to do over there first of all before we jump into it how was the trip overall for you now that you've been able to uh, come back home and really think about it in retrospect you know, coming back, and we'll, we'll be now in Amsterdam for a week, or just home in general, because I spent some time up in Breda at Hammer's Gym, which is uh, Core Hammer's, which was the father, or the, uh, the coach and stepfather of the group Ramon Deckers. And uh, that's also who Sensei Boss Ruben trained with, was uh, Core Hammer's, and the gym was Meng Ho at the time. So it's a piece of actual lineage of our system, and it's just fun to go back and kind of trace the roots, because... Some of the things that I have in my system, like uh, the ream, uh, if you to do a ream, it's, it's based off of Alistair Overeem, a certain technique that he does. And then when I go out to Holland and talk to uh, the head coach there, which is Nick Hammers, it's Cornhammer's son, and uh, he's like, oh, no, no, that's, uh, so I break down the system and show him what I got and explain to him how I take hyper-standards drills and combinations that have been proven to be successful successful in, in the cage and the ring. And I just bring those back onto the mat and then just train them safe and effectively so that really anybody can do them uh and i started breaking down some of the pieces and again the the ream itself and i showed coach nick hammers he said no that's not from ream that's not from alistair it's from uh and i don't remember the guy's 
the pronunciation was a little bit off, but it was Aru or Aru. Uh, it came from that guy who uh, I learned it from. So it's cool to backtrack the actual system and dissect it all and trace the lineage and then to carry that forward now, you know, onto into the cage with uh, T.J. Joshua and Juan Archuleta and some of the guys that I've been working with. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Uh, it- no, 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 man. No, you you're always you're always good when we have a discussion, but what you bring up there is pretty cool, man. You know, that's a that's like an ongoing thing with a lot of a lot of coaches. They like to just call out a guy's name for a combination, you know, a combination that a guy's known for. So that's pretty cool that well, they that, that started with Sensei Rutan, though as far as uh well, I should say it started uh, cuz actually when the old karate katas from like the 1930s and such, they would name a whole kata, they they give a kata a name, right? So I think that was the actual start of naming a sequence of the combination. But then that's one thing that I learned from Sensei Basrutin was to name a specific combination itself, but now not just an actual made-up, possibly BS kata that's, you know, doing things really wide and open and deliberate. Yeah. But uh, making that same concept into an actual combination that works inside the cage and inside the ring and just rehearsing that and being able to call it off, call it off of an audio command. Uh, Roots Boss from the, the numbers, uh, he would name combinations like two would be jab cross, three is jab cross hook. Tyson's trainer, Customato, was naming each individual punch. Like uh, one is the jab, two is the cross, and three is the hook. But for us, three is jab cross hook. Uh, so instead of saying one, two, three, you would just say the actual one syllable of three, which is a short, short response time. But uh, And then again, just to break down martial arts and continue to develop it and hone it and uh, test it out. And just That's my... That's my 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 passion. Uh, but in Holland, the training the training there. One thing specific with them is, since mainly it's just kickboxing, they can get everything they need in one gym. You know, they're they're your sparring partners, they're your they're your pad holder, they're your bags. So you can get everything you need in one gym. But with mixed martial arts, it's a big change because I mean, even the first name of it, mixed martial arts. Hence, is you know a variety of mixed things from obviously your strength conditioning, your boxing, your kickboxing, your wrestling, your jujitsu, and all aspects in between. It, there's really no one-stop shop. Even though I haven't been to uh, was an American Top Team to see what all they have, but they seem to be the closest. And then AKA, but those are very few and, and far between. And it's to get a high-level person in each field. It's again you have to search it out and find it. So it just that's how it was for the beginning of mixed martial arts. You would travel and teach and train, and that's how you get better as a, as a human being and as a martial artist. You have the other aspects of people and check out their perspectives and see how it blends with your style as well. Man, yeah. I go off on a tangent, huh? Sorry, no, man. I was just talking no, no, about no, no. letter about combinations, and <laughs> it just carries on. Sorry. It's definitely a, it's definitely a nomadic pursuit, which it, which I think is what you're getting at. You know, you're uh, you're out. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. See, the, look at that. I gotta start using your words. You know, when you train in martial arts, it's definitely a nomadic pursuit. You sound all professional. Good job. <laughs> no, us. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, see, but that us is OSU. It's a combination of words to push and to endure. That was originally uh, used in karate, and then uh, the Brazilians use it as well. But uh, I can carry that into my system with the BMT. It's also done on the mat, clear in the mind. And we already know that training is not going to be easy. We need to push, and we've got to endure the process. So... But you're, you're taking the initiative to already know that it's not going to be easy, but you know you're going to push through it anyway. So it's, it's a way to take out all excuses and know that it's, I don't care what the journey is, I'm going to get to the destination. So that's, uh, that's what part of Boost is about, to push into a door. They start with Kyokushin Karate, and then the Brazilians use it now, face for the OSS, 
but again, my, my beginnings uh, were Kyokushin karate as well, so I was uh, sent to Rutan, so I just tried that into the system of uh, BMT. Boss Rutan. Yeah, no, I, I, give you, I give you a ton of props for keeping that, uh, I guess, old. I have to, but I do. I've, yeah, I've been training martial arts since I was eight years old. That's who I am. I grew up on the mats, you know. I'm not a combative athlete. I'm a martial artist, so I appreciate that. So I, don't even, I just interrupt you. I don't even let you talk on your own show. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all good, Dwayne. No, but seriously, man, I think uh, – you know, a lot a lot of camps don't necessarily have that old school feel of uh, you know, not not so much a dojo, but you know, master sensei that type of thing. So I give you a ton of props for keeping that kind of lineage going. But so tell us about you know, you talked about combos here and uh, talking about you know throwing the ream. You broke that down a little bit for us. But tell us about training with Nick Hemmers and did you get a chance to work with Core at all? I, I know when we spoke, you were about halfway you know, through did. the trip. Yeah. Uh, working with Nick Hemmers is, is awesome because, I mean, he's Ramon Decker's brother. Like, they grew up together. Because, again, Core Hemmers is uh, Ramon's stepfather. I think uh, he came into, they came into each other's lives when he, I don't know the exact age, but I think it's uh, early teenage years. And that's going back from when I was talking with Ramon in Breda in 2002. So, it's obviously, I should get my facts straight before I start spitting them out. But uh, they've been, they, they literally grew up together because now uh, Nick Hemmers is, early 30s i think 32 33 so they literally you know grew up together and to be to train with ramon's brother and, and that piece of dutch kickboxing lineage which is actually, which is actually a japanese kickboxing if you want to trace that back and that was developed from Tokushin karate so there's the journey but uh to have that direct connection with uh, ramon decker and his training and his system and his philosophies is it's truly rewarding and amazing because that's Literally, a you know he's the greatest kickboxer to ever live is Ramon Decker. So that's super cool, and he's really open and friendly, and we're really good friends. And uh, again, I was breaking down my system to him, and and we're just going back and forth. And we have a, a hammers combination in our system, which is three hooks upstairs, two body hooks, and three more hooks upstairs. And you know uh, he just he loves what we're doing with the martial arts and carrying on the lineage and the martial arts uh, tradition again, like you said. And he thinks it's very important. He gives me a lot of props for that. So I appreciate that as well because I respect him as a martial artist. And one thing that they do is they, they understand the roots too of the Kyokushin karate. And they don't necessarily bow on the mat, but they line up and then they bow in. And they still keep that that martial art tradition. But it's more of a fight gym feel. There's a, uh, you know, that's why they're the best at it because they, they, they're there each and every day to get better as, as fighters. But they still keep a little bit of that martial art pursuit, which is nice. But their training is hard. Like they go, they they understand that they're there to fight and to get better as as, as fighters and to develop their own individual path. But they really have the the training aspect down between the Dutch drills, where they don't just do tie pads, but they do them like you know on each other's punches and, and they kick each other's body and they block the kicks and so on. How I do in our system, and that's the most realistic thing to get close to sparring. But it's just like a mild form of actual sparring, so you're not worried about getting punched in the face, but you can pay attention to the technique during its delivery and, and calm down and work on your composure so you can develop the timing of the reactions for the proper reactions that you know, does come. And whether it's sparring or combat situation, it's the closest, safest way to get better with all those aspects. And to break some of those techniques down with, uh, again, Nick Hammers, who's under core, and did I work with core? Yes during next class because my partner said, do you want quarter running through a combination? I was like, hell yes, I do. <laughs> he's literally a martial art godfather, you know? So, you know, he's the man that helped develop Ramon Decker. So it was an honor and a privilege to be under his guidance and work with the son and be on super friendly terms. And I love those guys. They're, they're really open and honest and uh, there's no BS to them, but there's honor and respect and they show up on time and they're, they're men of their word. 
you know, they remind me of the four agreements, you know, the four, four agreements from, I think it's the Celtic tribe, which is to always you know, be a man of your word, always do your best, uh, ask questions you're not assuming, and don't take anything personal. And, and they, they carry those four principles in their gym, in their personality. And it's, again, it's, it's cool to see the martial art pursuit, but in, in, in the direction for strictly combative responses like kickboxing yeah. fights. So, um, again, sorry, get off and tangent. No, 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 not a problem, man. I know we had talked a lot about the, you know, the legendary Dutch wars and how you were saying that, or in gym wars rather, and how you were saying that the, uh, you know, those guys really go at it. But, you know, c- could you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you learned that you plan on integrating into Bang Muay Thai uh, from your time there? Yeah, a lot of the things were the distance on the kicks. Uh, they, the Dutch, they, they're really very powerful structures because they can plant their feet and uh, they choose to stay in a bit of a closer range than mixed martial arts. So with that, they incorporate a little bit more head motion, but it's closer range to try to guard. And it's because you can be closer range and dig your feet in and there's more of a chance to land your shots without having to close the distance, you can really develop some power and dig your feet in the floor and, and, and develop almost punch as hard as a boxer. Boxers, I think, punch the hardest because they have the shoes in, in the, on the canvas. They can really push off and twist their core and they have more about leg kicks and takedowns. So they have, have the extra half second to develop all that power into each individual punch. And the Dutch are very close to that because, again, they stand such in close proximity. But because they have so many hand combinations and, again, head motion and hands are faster than feet for the most part, they they have a style that I feel is can is, is one step ahead of the traditional high style because again their lack of footwork and just doing you know individual kicks for the most part and having someone with the quicker hand speed and close the gap to get inside the kicks hence the, the more of the Dutch style which was again developed from Japanese kickboxing yeah. from kyokushin karate with the direction to beat traditional Muay Thai so with that now taking that lineage it's it's an easier process to I feel to develop Japanese, Dutch kickboxing into mixed martial arts because they're, I feel, one step ahead from for the range aspect and the footwork and the hand combinations. Uh, yeah, you know, range, got, yeah, range, range and distance was something I wanted to talk to specifically about uh, TJ, TJ and Cody, but go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, with the distance because uh, Cody's more of a boxer and he likes to stay within the closer range. So, again, for me to take some of that information from Holland and I'll share with TJ. And the stuff's not that I'd say I'd already know, but just areas and, and just a different perspective on the same situation. It was cool to bounce ideas again off Core Hammers and Nick Hammers. And um, also went to Majero Gym and talked with Andre Menard. But, uh, again, dealing with that closer range, understanding boxing for kickboxing and boxing for mixed martial arts and how the distances are different and again to break down their perspective and get their idea on their power and their range and how to do certain combinations and to carry that to TJ's right now with Cody is it was a really good piece for me to again understand their angles I, I'll say that as far as the angle from which they deliver their hooks was I, I learned quite a bit of, I, I, I understand it in another perspective I'll, under, I'll say that okay fair enough well, I know that's one of the things that, for me, that's always kind of differentiated Dutch kickboxing from the Thai style and things of that nature. I mean, it's what we saw uh, Ramon Deckers go into Thailand with was great kickboxing, but with really good boxing as well, being able to put a lot of that power into a hook, a lot more hooks. And, uh, of course, as time has proven, that's been the uh, the better style, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to kickboxing. But... Uh, 
but before we move forward and, and get too much into TJ here, I wanted to talk to you about going to the Glory event. Uh, give us your overall experience of going to see that event live and, and in Holland, of all places. What was that like for you? Yeah, to watch a kickboxing card in the heart of Amsterdam, the, the mecca of Dutch kickboxing, and to watch uh, some real Dutch kickboxers compete was, for me, a super fan of martial arts. You know, the fight nerd, it was special for me. It was like a, the Super Bowl, I guess, for other people. Uh, and I personally know Alvin Roosmallen, so it was cool to be there and support him. And then Nick Hammers had a fight there as well, so I was amongst friends with my wife and I. And it was just, again, as uh, maybe a, a football fanatic would be happy to go to Super Bowl, it was like that for me to watch Glory in Holland. I, I, back in 2002, yeah, 2002, when I first went to Holland, I watched a show there, which was a mixed show. They had boxing, kickboxing, and mixed martial arts. Actually, Czech Hongo fought on that card. Wow. Uh, that was my first experience of a card there in Holland, but now to, to fast forward, whatever it is, 15 years, and watch a straight glory, which is basically the, the new K1 uh, card in Holland, in Amsterdam, and watch a, a friend of mine fight was, was special to me. I just say the same freaking thing twice, so I'm sorry. No, no. Well, well, so, yeah. what, what did you think of Van, Van Roosmalen's performance? Great pressure. Great pressure. I mean, that's what he does. He applies pressure. He cuts people off. He lands those power shots and hooks in the super game. Uh, he and I trained back when all my, my – so two trips to go home and I trained for one of my last fights. Uh, I trained with Robin. He came in and gave me a lot of sparring rounds, and he does judo as well, and he has a couple of mixed martial arts fights. So, he, you know, he, uh, he was good to do kickboxing and takedowns. Uh, so anyway, I personally know him, and it was good to see him compete in person. Even I've seen him fight in Colorado before as well, but still there and support him and make that part of the reason I went out there was made me feel like I was doing something special, you know, supporting my buddy. So yeah. uh, again, power, you know, power punch. He's like a little Tyson, and he's like he reminds him of a Ramon Deckers. Right, right. Well, that that's something I, something I wanted to get your opinion on was uh, for me, like when I went to Glory Six in New York or Glory Nine, I think it was Glory Nine in New York. Um, the the production value of the shows are are really something special. I mean, they like it. They incorporate that Japanese style of entrance, but it's not too too flashy. Can you just talk a little bit about you know what the production value means to you, and should maybe the West start to adopt some of that stuff? I like it. You know, it's it's again it's part of the entertainment aspect because when they're going there for you know, I mean you could buy a t-shirt, you could buy a, a beer, a hot dog, whatever it is, um, or a croquette in Holland, I guess you. It is, it's basically an experience, you know, you're paying to go and witness and to take part of, a spirit, of an experience. So they're just like people don't always remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel and to go there and feel that energy and to be back up into the fights and uh, the part of history is, is something special. Yeah. And, I, and that's, again, going back to as far as the fan base, giving them some light, giving them some shows, some music to, again, enhance and to have your body produce more endorphins and make it a more enjoyable experience and maybe a bit more of an adrenaline rush. Because, again, you're gonna, it's, it's an experience. So do a little bit more, give them some effort, uh, just like when you serve a plate on the table. Or it goes back to one of the first agreements, right, to always do your best for a show to take into account the crowd and it's an experience for them to pay some, you know, I guess you can do some research and see your typical crowd that, that attends the show and do some research and backtrack what's the age of that group and what, the, I guess, what kind of music they like is what I'm getting at. So you can play the, the most, I guess, popular music during the breaks that would attain to the crowd and so on. So, again, backtracking, doing some research to make sure it's a good experience for them and uh, taking the advantage to go one step forward. 
Well, again, man, like I said, I, the, the production value for me was something really special, and I'd like to see that happen more in the West. I think we see it a little bit more with Bellator now, but uh, maybe other promotions. Yeah, I love the old school Bellator aspect, right? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So when we're talking about glory here, I know I've asked you this before, but, but should we expect to see more of your guys out of the BMT system competing in that promotion? I have three guys right now that are on the cusp of getting signed my glory, so we'll see what happens in that direction. They're definitely worthy and ready, as they were two years ago, but uh, we've been taking some other fights from other organizations. Short story, I get to say yes. Yes, sir. Very good. Zach Wells, Justin Horton, and uh, we'll see if uh, Alex Fisher gets in there or not. Obviously, Joy Banks as well. So i got quite a few people that are glory glory ready. I'm looking forward to the card in China, man. I know it's a mismatch, but I, but I really enjoy watching Rico Verhoeven compete. That's going to be something else. That's going to be awesome. Sure. Pretty, pretty much a warm-up fight for him. He's going to fight to Jamal from Hemmer's Gym. Right. <laughs> so I, I know you just got done working with TJ, as we we talked about you know, before this call. Uh, yeah, thanks for changing the time with me, too. Yeah, no problem, man. Always, always a pleasure. I, you know, man, you're, you're one of our favorite guests here, and you, you always take the time to come on for us last minute, so... Yeah, you know, one one hand washes the other, brother. So, how's he looking? How's he feeling right now? I'm sure you guys are very confident and that you're ready to take back that belt. Yes, sir. He is looking phenomenal. He's got a really good strength and conditioning coach, Sam Calavita. He's got really good wrestling coaches, Dale Christensen and Mark Munoz. He's helping out also. Great crew of guys. We've got Cub Swanson. We've got Juan Archuleta. We have Chori uh, uh, Torres out here as well. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Lopez, Arnold Jimenez. A good group of guys of up and comers and solid, you know, stable mates. You know, people that are in the UFC now, obviously with Cub. Uh, he's just looking sharp and smart. He is. We always focus on growing technically and working on new combinations and drills and filling in the rhythm. Any art is, is you have to fill an art, whether it's dance, music, whatever, especially martial arts. It's a fill in the sense of awareness, like your sixth sense for the most part. And to develop those things with other high-level people is it's fun to watch this process from you know from 10 feet away. Being a coach as a martial arts fan, it's fun just to see it all breaking down and see him grow each and every day with his timings and his reaction and dictating the pace and uh, just sharp combinations. And he's just really he's on another level. Each and every fight, he just improves. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I know he's got some killer guys out there. You know, we we talked about Cub Swanson, Juan Archuleta. But uh, I wanted to ask about Swanson, but you mentioned Mark Munoz. Mark Munoz is out there helping him get ready? Yes, sir. That's yes, awesome. Sir. Yeah. He even Mark, uh, he, that sucker is agile. He is an athlete. He's smooth when he moves around. He does his demonstrations. You're like, holy crap. He is a, he's, he's a special athlete as well. For sure. How's he doing? Good, I hope? Uh, doing good. He's happy. He's happy and sharing and teaching, so uh, it's good to be around the guy. He's good energy. We have a really good group around us right now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, with Cub, is this a new thing for you working with Cub? Have you had a chance to work with him before? Uh, I have not worked with him before. He, uh, we haven't been in like personal uh, attention on the mitts, but he's done a couple of my classes now when I'm out here. And he's another exceptional athlete that's uh, real coachable and uh, listens and responds and gets better as well. If you tell me he's he's a veteran, he's got a lot of tricks. And uh, it's really good for him to go with TJ and to see those exchanges and see each other just, you know, break down and analyze and, and feed off each other. Now, uh, I know, I know TJ's been working. Else, it's going good. Yeah, good. I, I know TJ's worked a lot with uh, Lomachenko in, in previous camps. Will will he be working with uh, Lomachenko leading up to this fight at any yes, point? Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's coming up next week. Awesome, awesome. 
I hope to see some cool. Sp- I mean, their sparring footage is re- something really special to watch. I hope hope some of that comes out. <laughs> TJ could easily go and be a professional boxer at a very high level right away. Yeah, he's that good. He's just that much of a ninja and athlete. Literally, he could do anything he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, the sparring footage alone would lend itself to that. Um, but the big question for me in this fight, it's going to be who's faster and if the kickboxing of TJ or the boxing of Cody reigns supreme. I'm sure you feel TJ is faster, but but tell us why you think TJ uh, will be the man to implement his game plan overall in this fight. Simply. Staying alert, because what beats power? Speed. Speed. Speed is power. What beats speed and power? Timing. Timing. So it's developing our timing in combinations. That's what separates them. They both are sharp and powerful. It's going to come down to leading. It's just going to come back to a game of timing. And that's just the way it is with fights because we do a split seconds and fractions of an inch. So with that in mind, you tell me how clean your technique wants to be and also your timing and the exchanges. So uh that's why when people say well you know you just have to you have to fill the timing you have to go out there and make sure you implement your game plan and uh make sure it's your cage for sure for sure and uh, distance is going to play a very important role in this fight right yes sir always obviously distance making sure we are aware of each other's power zones i would say and uh, again that goes back to before you even to understand the distance and how much the timing needs to equate to the, the distance that we're, we're working with, you know, that dictates the timing. So it's, again, who can make the adjustment of the timing and the different ranges during the exchanges. Very good, very good. Listen, I just got a couple more questions here for you, man. Um, just to change gears here for a moment, what did you think of the fights over the weekend? Ah, awesome card. It was good. Uh, I am glad for Tony Ferguson. I think that was an excellent matchup between him and Conor McGregor. Uh, Mr. Lee, he did good. He, uh, you know, he showed up. He fought. I guess he had, you know, he gassed out a little bit, but the, the pressure of the fight and fighting in general, fighting's not easy. And uh, Tony Ferguson's triangle was was smooth. It was interesting to see him bring the arm back across and do like what other people say not to do, but that is just another form to tighten it down. We were breaking it down. That's another coach I took with TJ's. It's Felipe Monica. And out of our Gracie Baha headquarters in Irvine, so he's another coach that uh, we're working with for the shift to him. To have him break down that triangle that Ferguson did, uh, did was, was cool. He's a uh, he jiu-jitsu coach, just like Elliot Marshall, understands jiu-jitsu for MMA. So it's nice to be in the same, um, you know, level of coaching with another coach with another incredible guy. Yeah, for sure. But when I saw the fights, awesome card. Well, what did what did you think of that crazy submission of, of uh, Demetrius Johnson? Smooth, yeah, that the, from the back, the power slam, the armbar. He was armbarring him during the transition before they even settled down. Uh, he's on another level, you know. He's literally a ninja. Look what he's done. I would love to see the fight between him and TJ. Yeah, I was just about to ask that. I mean, that's got to be next for him, right? Move up and take on the winner of of TJ and Cody. Or we'll drop down after we beat Cody, after we get the title. Yeah, I, now that was that's the plan going forward. That just wasn't a temporary thing, like with Cody being injured. You guys would really like to do that, huh? All right, for sure. That's that's, uh, and you know that's who wouldn't want to see that fight. No, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent, man. I mean, that's the fight to make at this point. DJ's cleared out the division. TJ's done a lot of the same, and uh, you know if he beats Cody, um, I mean the Dominic fight would make a lot of sense. Would you guys prefer to have Dominic or DJ? Both. 
Either or. Depends right? on the timing. Depends on the timing, yeah. Yeah. So both, both, uh, you know, they're both they're really good sharp tests for us to grow as uh, martial arts human beings. You know, we need these other high-level, you know, Rubik's cubes to solve. For sure, for sure. Just keep us sharp and honest and keep going. And that's one thing that Demetrius, you know, he's current on his division. They're not on his level. They're, they're, I mean, I would like to see him and uh, Benavides side again. That's for sure. He's not the guy that, that's on his level. As far as in that division, it's too bad that he had that knee surgery and got, got postponed. But I see Benavides not long ago. He looks, he looks really good. He's healthy and, and uh, should be back fighting here in a couple months. Very good. Yeah, I know that that's probably only the – one of the only matchups that that really would would uh, garner a lot of interest at one to one twenty five. So, all right, Dwayne, listen, man, anything else you think you th- think that we uh, missed, or anything else you wanted to get off your chest, bro? No, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, I love to break down martial arts, and uh, I just feel like that's my purpose is to break it down and reiterate it and spit it out and share it with the, with the world. And uh, you know, I appreciate you allowing me, giving me time to talk about it and to you know in the game you know, it just gives me purpose and passion for all these areas working with TJ and the fighters and having my academy and being with Ty and carrying all the lineage from Boss Rutland and Core Hammers and Hammers Gym and Holland and such kickboxing definitely kickboxing and now into the UFC with Bing with Ty it's just it's like that's my family that's my lineage it's, it's awesome and to have high level guys like Juan Archuleta and, and Cub and obviously TJ Zillashaw and work with these guys it's a, it's a blessing it's my service back to the world as martial arts and I'm luckily, lucky and appreciate to be a part of it well, we greatly appreciate your time as well, as always, my friend, and always an awesome conversation. Real quick, though, before before we end this call, you mentioned Juan Archuleta there. Is that guy ever going to get in the UFC? He's UFC-worthy right now. Uh, For sure. He's going to get in the UFC, yeah, whenever he chooses. I think he's got his uh, contract obligations with his current promotions at the King of the Cage. But, uh, you know, that's obviously everyone's goal is to, you know, get in Bellator, get in the UFC, get in the top two shows, get into the top shows. As if pride was around, but I guess I was rising. Jesus, I take things off, huh? Sorry. Uh, short story, to get in the higher, bigger promotions, yes, sir. When? Not sure when he fills his current uh, obligation with the King of the Cage. Yeah, very true. Well, I hope in the future we get to see him. He's, he's something special as well, just what he's been able to accomplish, and uh, I think he would be a great addition to the UFC roster. Uh, so I guess in conclusion, Dwayne, I, I will probably talk to you before the fight actually goes down on November 4th, but... Give us your prediction. How does the fight go when TJ steps in there with Cody? I'm sorry, I was just going with TJ. One more time, I'm sorry, sir. No, 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 no problem, no problem. I was just going to say, in conclusion, man, can, can you tell us? Um, can you tell us? Give us your official prediction for the fight. What happens when TJ steps in there with Cody? Looking forward to having the boat back on TJ's waist. You know, staying sharp and making sure that we have uh, we're on point combinations and ready to go. So. Taking back home where it rightfully belongs. For sure. Looking forward to it, man. Always a pleasure, Dwayne. Uh, any shout outs? This is the thing, too. This is the thing, too. Like, like, yeah, shout outs, drama side. It's just another sparring day, you know, with, with the team together. So it's just like uh, everything's working back together. There's only, there's, instead of sparring for free, they're getting paid to fight. So it's a, it's a better scenario for everybody. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Any plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, you know, it's uh, bingwithpet.com, JLT2000 on it. And, uh, that's pretty much it. All right, my man. Always a pleasure. We'll catch you soon. DJPen.com. That's right. DJPen.com. All right, my brother. Thank you very much, Dwayne. We'll, we'll talk again soon, and you guys have a great night training with the Ninja TJ. Yes, sir. Thanks, right, Jason. Bye. Appreciate it. Take no care. Bye-bye. Later.
Spring into action at the 75th Anniversary Seattle Home Show, presented by Kitchen Plus and LP. Spring is the time to renew and renovate. See tiny homes and the dramatic outdoor living by night exhibit. Get kitchen and bath remodeling ideas and feed live butterflies. Purchase e-tickets at seattlehomeshow.com and get $5 parking. The Seattle Home Show, February 23rd through March 3rd at Century Lake Field Event Center. Sponsored by the Seattle Times and Master Builders Association. Spring into action at the 75th Anniversary Seattle Home Show, presented by Kitchen Plus and LP. Spring is the time to renew and renovate. See tiny homes and the dramatic outdoor living by night exhibit. Get kitchen and bath remodeling ideas and feed live butterflies. Purchase e-tickets at seattlehomeshow.com and get $5 parking. The Seattle Home Show, February 23rd through March 3rd at Century Lake Field Event Center. Sponsored by the Seattle Times and Master Builders Association.